Um, the opportunity to share your truth, your knowledge, and your wisdom to any that have an ear, to let them listen to what's being shared, what's being taught, hear the words, listen, and seek your face, Father God. To your word, I'm a Yahweh, I'm a Yeshua, I'm a Paraklitos, I'm a So not only hearing the words, but listening to what's being said. And remember, I've shared this with you a few times before, is that there is a profound difference, and they're not synonymous because they mean two different things. That listening and hearing are two different things. They function differently. You can hear something and realize that something is going on, either musically or as sort of a aerial interference, you can realize that, but until you listen, you won't be able to recognize what it is. You can hear things. When you get into an elevator and you hear, unless they have it cranked up really loud, you hear that, uh, and what we used to just call elevator music, they call it, uh, then they started calling it piped in, and then they have all sorts of different terms to it. But we used to just call it elevator music because that's where it started. It had some brilliant uh, person decided that that would be a good thing to do. So they started piping it in. Well, you can tell that it's on there. The way they used to have it, you could, you'd hear and you could tell that there was something being played and until you leaned into the sound and listened you weren't always able to recognize what was being played you just knew there was something and it was nice and it was either jazz or it was uh, orchestrations um, classical music or it was some kind of rock and roll usually that wasn't the case it was usually jazz or uh, orchestrations of some other mellow type of music, classical type music. and But you weren't able to tell what it was just by hearing it. You knew that it was there, but you couldn't recognize it. When you listen to things that are said, or you listen to what's coming, you recognize it to be something more than just the words or more than just the sound. And this is the, this is the, um, <laughs> yeah, we're gonna talk about him again. Um, this is what the devil really likes to do with the white noise interference. And I know that I'm going to confound some folks, but I'm gonna bring this up anyway. Um, there are individuals that have actually tried to uh, tell me that speaking this way is is not good because it's giving glory to the devil and it's not you know you can't do that and you're glorifying him no it's not when you turn away from warnings of the enemy and his tactics and things that he is able to do then you are a fool I'm just coming right out and tell you, then you're a fool. If you don't want to listen to warnings, and it's very important that you know the enemy and his tactics, okay? <clears throat> As a military person, yeah, I'll come out with that. But if you refuse to listen to warnings that are being told, and you refuse to listen to some of the tactics, you might not even be aware of the tactics that are being used. We had... Um, you know, I shared this with you. We had these young lieutenants that, in the military that thought that they knew everything there was to know about everything. And they refused to listen to the staff NCOs and the NCOs who had been in the field and around the troops and, and recognized and knew what was going on and had experience. Well, they refused to listen to that experience. And unfortunately... Um, And unfortunately, individuals paid with that arrogance. Um, 
they were arrogant in it. And there's some people that are, they're not doing it from arrogance. They're just doing it out of ignorance, but they're, they're making such a, uh, pointed objection that they're, and they act foolishly. And if you continue to refuse to listen to what is being given as a warning to open your eyes and be aware of those things that are going on, then you're a fool. Plain and simple. I'll come up with it. And not to be confrontational with anybody, and if they decide that they want to come at me, because I'm sure if they happen to listen to what I'm saying about it, they're going to recognize what, they're talk what I'm talking about. And that's fine, but the word... It's not for that. It's for edification. It's for exhortation. It's for learning, <clears throat> pardon me, and teaching. For uplifting, <clears throat> pardon me. See, already the devil doesn't want me sharing about his little tactical. Like he's, a, he's a profoundly brilliant tactician, and he knows, and he can use this um, hearing and listening that so many people seem to be, um, oh, what was that? Uh, what was that used to, uh, oh, selective hearing. There we go. <laughs> that was one that a, a teacher used to use, and I'd had some adults throw that out there. Or I even had other individuals that would throw that, that people will turn off and on selective hearing. I only hear what they want to hear, <clears throat> basically is what that, exactly what that means. So when I share, when I talk about, and you hear me in the opening prayer, and this is about hearing and listening, two very, very different things. You can hear what I'm saying. <clears throat> you might, <clears throat> pardon me. Oh, the devil really doesn't want me talking about this. And you might, um, you hear my speech and you can tell that I'm talking but until you lean in and listen to what's being said and you pay attention to what's being said, you're just going to hear it, turn it off, and later on, and maybe you come back and re-hear re it, or maybe the Holy Spirit will bring you back so that you put a listen to it instead of just hearing it. Or maybe you're in a hurry, you're, you're trying, and you want to hear something, and you're, you're hearing it, but you're not listening to it. People get like that. They get in a rush. They get in a hurry to go somewhere, but they want something on and they're, they're, they're hearing it, but they're not listening. Listen to what's being said. Listen to what's being said. It's God's truth, his knowledge and his wisdom that he allows me to share. And he allows me to do this because in his sovereign thought that he thinks that the way I present things are different from someone else and that maybe the way I speak is um, able to be absorbed better. I'm not a really great eloquent speaker. And there are others that speak with much more eloquence than I am, I do, or that I'm able to. I'm just a guy that God chose to do something for him. And I chose to sign a blank contract to do what my Lord, my God directs me to do. And I enjoy this very much. So when I come to you and I bring to you and I try to help you and give you warnings about the enemy because this hearing and listening thing is something that he uses and molds into a tactic against us. That white noise interference that you've heard me share over before is a tactic that he uses because we don't listen to everything. We hear things, but we're not listening. And he likes that. And he likes it because that white noise interference works into his tactics really well. We allow it to happen to us. We become distracted from other things. And sometimes people purposely put on music to be distracted from whatever they are doing. Not completely. House cleaning, 
you know, you see some people out on a work, they're electricians or carpenters, or whatever, and they have music on. It's a distraction, but you see people even driving doing that. They don't pay attention. They put headphones on, which are supposed to be illegal. They put earbuds in, which are supposed to be illegal. So they can get their telephone calls and things that they're, they're not supposed to be doing while they're driving. But see, the devil likes that sort of thing. And he likes that because, quite honestly, he wants you to be separated. He would like you to pass and also to perish. That's his That's his. That's his greatest goal is to get us to be divided, derisive, and separated from the Lord God Almighty, not just from one another, but from the Lord God. And what he really enjoys is getting us to not pay attention to the word of God, to heed instead that white noise interference that we hear, and to pay attention to that. So we're going to work against that. So don't only hear what I'm saying, but listen to the words. So... In this study, we have to be, and this is where a lot of people will get, um, they get that white noise interference that interrupts the thought process and will keep them from coming to God in their weakness. Or when they do something that requires them to come to God and repent and talk to God and, and offer to him, but they have to open their hands and let it go, which is what I'm, even at this point in time, I have some things that I tend to have, uh, hold on to them and think that I can do this. And the devil loves that. He loves that. He loves that. That's a weakness. But I need to recall, and I've, I've been throwing bullet prayers out to it, and I love it because the Holy Spirit immediately comes. I mean, it's like no sooner do I say the first Jesus or Abba than there. I mean, it's a, it's instantaneous there, and it's it's very powerful to be able to witness this and testify to you about this truth. And Satan hates that; he hates it because God is giving us something that freely giving to us that Satan used to have. Do not forget that he used to be in heaven; he lived in heaven, uh, and. It was his pride and arrogance that got him kicked out of heaven and that there were angels that decided that they were going to side with him or favor him because they wanted to be like God as well. And he convinced them that they could be. And of course, totally disrupted the thought process that they were very much... Mm, I hate to even use the the term because it's very it's very much what we do and we say that and it's it's not the same thing but they use the term um, godlike uh, very loosely. So uh, there were um, false deities and false gods and false prophets and teachers and I want to make sure that you get truth nothing but truth. So, convincing them that they could be that way, not realizing, of course, and this is, um, well, let me ask you, let me put it to you this way. If you saw a really, really profoundly, wow, a powerfully handsome or beautiful being, and my guardian angel that I, for whatever reason, God decided to allow me to see onto that spiritual realm for just the moment that I did. Um, he, and he chose to allow that to happen. And I saw that being as it would be in heaven, totally glorified and it was, cons it was not consumed, but it was a fire. It was holy fire. It was heavenly fire. And it was, wow, it was so majestic. God allowed me to see that. And this is what is with us and protects us. 
and he has that with us all the time. So that white noise that the devil loves to throw at us to get us distracted from these things that are real and there, and he convinced the angels to go with him that would you not, as a person on this plane of existence, would you not think that is, and I use that term again, loosely godlike, because God is God. And these are his heavenly hosts that come to protect us, to guard us, to guide us. But in our term, they are godlike because they travel differently than we do. They appear differently than we do. They can do things that God allows them to do in that realm. And they can take on different appearances. So, <clears throat> but don't be fooled. Be cautious, be wary. Um, because Satan is a very good camouflager. <laughs> yeah, he is. God utilizes angels that come because he wants them here to protect us and guide us and, and help us. And he will disguise, eh, that's not a good word. He will, he will mask their, their, their heavenly appearance so that they can more readily come and help us. And I've shared with you a couple times already that for whatever reason he decided that I was going to be visited by angels and I firmly, profoundly believe it to be so. And I will argue till the cows come home about that. And there are people that say, oh, he's a wacko. Well, that's okay. You're entitled to your opinion. That doesn't make it factual. And I choose to believe the reality because I know what I saw. I know what I experienced and I know what I heard. So it's powerful. So in these things, you have to be able to make a decision. You have to be able to decide, are you going to allow the interference to ruin your path? Are you going to allow the interference to disrupt worshiping God? Or are you going to be strong and listen to the truth. And you have to understand that God, <clears throat> God knows, and we were sharing this at, at uh, Life Group the other, the other night. And <clears throat> there is uh, something that I shared with you before. Pardon me, the devil's really agitating us <clears throat> to try to interfere with Shane, he doesn't like that. Doesn't like it when I speak about him, because and I'm not glorifying him at all. I'm warning. But um, we were sharing this the other night. Is that um, Peter spoke about it in the book of Acts, and I shared it with you when when Peter talks about how we're going to see visions and be able to prophesy and, and uh, in the spirit of truth through Jesus Christ and that we, and he's talking about the statement he made with uh, was a far off. <clears throat> uh, I have to turn there and, and share that with you because it's an important <clears throat> aspect. <clears throat> Pardon me. I'm very sorry. Um, but this is some of the things that I talk to you about um, when I talk about uh, the Spirit of God and guiding us and not being just from point A to point B relative to ge geographical locations. Um, but speaking about distance. And that 
when Peter talks about this, um, I believe that Peter is recognized and allowed to recognize this through the Holy Spirit and shares this. Um, and this is in um, the Acts 2, 38. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remissions of your sin, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, Paracletus, the Holy Spirit. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off. That statement is very profound and important. Even as many as the Lord our God shall call. What that testifies to me, and you need to read around and have the other scriptures reinforce that, enhance it as you will, and I have, and they do. So I believe that Peter is not talking about a distance from Jerusalem to Damascus or uh, Smyrna or other area cities. He is talking about time distance. And you notice that what he was talking about, about your children, your children's children, and for those afar off. He's talking about lineage. He's talking about descendants. He's talking about those that come after in time. Peter was talking about me. To confess. To be redeemed by Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, who came as a king but appeared as a sacrificial lamb on this plane of existence and gave his life willingly, voluntarily, dying for me and calling me friend. Remember what Jesus said? No greater gift hath a man than to die for his friend. Jesus called me a friend. God saw me from afar off. The enemy thought he had me, but Jesus said, I am his. He is mine. And the devil took off. Brothers and sisters, hold on to that truth. God knows, he sees us from a distance. He knows that we have weaknesses. He knows that we've been wounded. He knows, he knows us that we've been bruised. And wounded, he knows that. But remember this, God doesn't need to have you. He wants to have you. Whoa, what's that mean? Well, that means that he's our loving Lord God Almighty, our Father. And he wants you to be redeemed. He wants you to be able to come home. He wants you to be an heir and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. And he knows that you have weaknesses. He knows that you have breaks. He knows that you've been wounded. That doesn't matter. He loves his profound love. He knows that we're weak, but he doesn't despise the weakness. It just, it draws him closer to us. And when we practice his presence, which is, developing that ability to, to make a quiet time. And a lot of times with things that are going on, I've shared this with you before, that we get so wrapped up in so many things. And even this this thing, and I, I'm praying through this decision that I have to make because I like the idea of serving at the church, but even more so, I really, really like to go and worship and, and be able to listen to the sermon. But what I have found is that certain things that, they've decided need to be done, detract from that. And the import, especially at my point, uh, is that my worshiping, my God, my Lord, my God, my Heavenly Father, is the most important thing. Like Martha tried to, um, you remember when Jesus, they were invited to, to come to the house. And Martha was so caught up on everything that she needs to do. She said, of course, she's trying to be a good hostess. 
and provide sustenance and, and uh, things for people. And she's so busy, caught up in it, but Jesus is teaching and speaking. And Mary comes and takes a seat at his feet because chairs are taken and there's not a lot of room. So she makes a place for herself at the feet of Jesus. And she's listening to his teaching. She's listening to Jesus speak. And Mary comes in. And I'm hoping that it was during a lull in his teaching and she just didn't barge in and interrupt. I don't think so. And I said, she said, Lord, Lord, look at all this that I'm doing. Tell Mary to come in and help me. I'm so caught up in all this. And of course, Jesus giving her a gentle rebuke that he did. He said, Martha, Martha, you're so worried about all the abstract that's going on around you. You're, you're being distracted by all these things, all this stuff. And she has chosen that which is better. And she wanted to say it. So he didn't. He gave Martha a gentle rebuke and basically inviting her to stop what she was doing. See, that's the thing. And it doesn't come right out and say so in the scripture. But for me, that was an invitation to her. Set aside all these worries. Set aside all that you're caught up in. Set aside for that thing. Because we'll be able to come to the table, set it out like a, um, of course, he didn't have those in those days, but Jesus, I'm thinking, might have known it. So we'll set it up like a smorgasbord or like a buffet. And when we get done here, if people are still hungry and they want to eat, then we'll come in around the table. We'll stay and we'll visit with you some more. We'll sup with you. We'll abide with you. We'll spend time with you and we'll share with you all these that you were, but you're worried about everybody eating when I'm trying to give them real sustenance, which I'm trying to feed them from the word, giving to them the bread of life, giving them living water to drink, not worried about sharing a cup of wine, giving them the fruits and the dips and the breads and all these things. I'm giving them a real the bread of life, living water is what I'm sharing. Come on, Martha, put that other down that you're so caught up about worrying about. And this is what he does to us. He offers an invitation and he knows that we're weak. But our Lord is so loving, so compassionate and kind, which we need to practice doing. We have difficulty in that. This is why we need to practice, practice that which he desires for us to be. And that's to be more like him. It's hard to be like Jesus, especially in this day and age. And he knows that. And he knows that we're weak at it. And he doesn't care. But he is drawn to that weakness that we share. And when we put our hands out, we give it up and we let go. We relinquish to him that weakness so that he can be strong in us. He takes great delight in that because we are relinquishing that which we think we have control over. We are telling him, <laughs> Lord, you are sovereign. You are in control. I want you to be centered in my life. I don't want that in me anymore, Lord. You are my Lord and Savior, you be in control. I think I am, but I'm not. And many decades ago, there was a little children's story, Tommy, Tommy the train, train something, I think like, anyway, and going up the hill, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. And... That's an okay story, but you know, you kind of look back on it and it's a it's a good thing for 
teaching a child, you don't give up. But here's the other thing too, that it goes that way with our walk with the Lord. Don't give up. Satan wants you to give up. He loves that white noise interference. It's like putting grease on the tracks. He loves to do that because it just gets us to spin, spin in place. We don't move. This is why we give it to the Lord. The Lord will reach out his strong, righteous hand and he will give us a toe. That's what he does. He's not going to just shake his head and scoff and say, you know what? You're too weak. I don't, you know, yeah, you're just way too weak. God doesn't do that. The Lord won't do that to you. And he loves to help us. But we have to learn to be accepting of our weaknesses and our weariness. And we have to realize and believe and have faith in the fact that the Lord knows that we have difficulties in our path. He knows that. He knows. And the important thing is that we are in prayer when we get up and before we start into the day is we give it to God because he's already been here. He knows what's coming. He knows what's coming. We don't because we don't have that insight. He's given us a gift of forethought and being able to pre-plan and sometimes what we do is we make a mess of it because we put too much on the plate. So like all this really good food at a smorgibob and you just overload the plate and you spill it and drop it before you get to the table and sit down and you're able to enjoy it. So why do you do the same thing with your day planner and why do you do the same thing with your calendar book and why do you do some, do the same thing when you, even when you're working at the church and I'm sitting here going through and the Holy Spirit is speaking to me on this and, and it's a good thing to want to be doing and serving and and all this, but the important thing is to be prayerful and worshipful and be able to do that. And there's so much stuff going on. And, and what I've, what the Holy Spirit has made open my eyes to realize is that technology is a good thing, but unfortunately you can have too much. And when you get so much technology involved with things getting done, then you get so many people wrapped up in this and I, my observation is it's too much. It's entirely too much. And the important thing is to come to the house of God to praise, thankfully coming to the gates, praising God as we cross the courts to his house and worshiping God in his house. Not to be distracted by all the technology and all the stuff that goes on. And this is one of the key factors, and, and I've shared this with you before, is that Satan can work within the house of God. It's his house, but his minions can get a piggyback ride in by somebody that's carrying things from the outside. And I don't want to be that person. So I slept this off. I rebuked this. And this is why you, um, you pray Thanksgiving and you praise God and you are, they're getting, if you can imagine this little critter holding on and trying to get you to carry them inside the house of God. And then they jump off and they run around, they distract everybody and they cause as much thought havoc as they can. But as you're talking to God, you're praying before you enter his house, that these little guys are getting bapped with these, <laughs> they're getting bapped with spirit clubs and they don't like it. So they're going to jump off before they even get there. But some people piggyback those spirits into the house of God. And it's not like Hipparchawood. I've shared this with you before. It's not like Hipparchawood where vampires can't cross a threshold and they're going to melt and all that. That doesn't happen. That's not reality. Reality is this, that sometimes within the church building, the attack on the church body is the most formidable. 
and it happens in reality, but people think that within the house of God, within the church building, that somehow they're all protected, but they're not. Because if they can piggyback in minions and allow them to come in with distraction and causing all this disruption, oh my goodness, you think that they're not reveling in that and dancing about? Oh, they are. They take great delight in causing distraction, disruption, and agitation. They, they love that. They love it. The devil loves it. And so many times we get inside the, the church and we start comparing ourselves with others that seem to just hop, skip, and jump down life's paths and things don't seem to affect them. But what do you see? You see them there, but you don't see what their walk is like. How are you able to judge their walk according to your walk and you don't know their walk. You have no idea. But based on what you are seeing right then, right there, and right that minute, you make a judgment. And your judgment is their life must be better than your life. Or their life must be worse than yours because look at that. Look what they're, man, look at the shoes. Their shoes are all tears and holes. Then take your shoes off and give them to them. And go home barefoot. Nothing wrong with that. What would Jesus do? That's probably what he would do. What would Jesus do? And for those of you that have been following me for a little while, you see that I'm posting that now. That's a way that my Lord allowing me to do this. That's the heading that I use over there now. WWJD question mark and then whatever title the Lord gives to me what would Jesus do pretty thought provoking actually should be ought to be that's why the spirit gave it to me what would Jesus do think on what you're reading think on what you're hearing think on what you're listening to Jesus would probably lead you right to the scripture where you should be. Anyway. So what we have to remember is that those that we decide we want to look at and make comparisons to, that their lives have been different. And perhaps the Lord, for whatever reason, his decision, he's the sovereign God, has given them uh abundant energy and able to do things and it's just different it isn't necessarily better it's just different god anoints in many different ways he calls us all but anoints differently nothing wrong with that maybe for uh his purpose that he's um given or allowing certain things to happen because in our walk or in a different walk <clears throat> that it's allowing a growing and a blossoming to come out that for the ultimate purpose is for glorifying him anyway, glorifying God and allowing others to be able to see that. And perhaps those individuals are, for whatever reason, they're not able to share that as well, and God knows that, but they do things differently. And that if you work together and collectively as the body of Christ as we're supposed to be and taught, that working with those, we glorify God together, which is exactly what we're supposed to be doing. Not comparing notes to see if your walk is better or or different, or how different it is. That's not what it's about. That's practicing judgmentalism. We had that shared um, by one of our church speakers was talking about judgmental. And the Pharisees were really, really good at that, the Sanhedrin. 
They were all very good at that. They wanted to point fingers and talk about the violations of the laws of Moses. And Jesus violated the laws of Moses. But then, of course, Jesus just looked right at him and very just looked right in the eye and with the authority that he has because he is the only begotten son of the Lord God Almighty, the sovereign maker of all things made. I am the law of Moses. Not that I violate, and of course the extra I'm putting in there, not that I violate the laws of Moses. I am the law of Moses. Here's the thing that so many people forget, and, and even um, translation in the scripture, I think, that I noticed that coming up, and um, it happens, it occurs, but it still makes the Bible, it doesn't make the Bible untrue. But in the translations, they call it the law of Moses. And I think that they're giving him an honorific position because he carried the law from the mountain. He spent all that time on the mountain with God and God wrote it on the tablets and then said, okay, Moses, you're going to deliver this to the nation. This is the law. And I want you to carry it down there. You get to be the UPS guy. You get to be DHL. You get to be FedEx. You get to be USPS. All those things, you get to wear all these different uniforms. And we're going we're gonna to give you this nice robe of many colors so it covers all of those uniforms. And I'm going to allow you to carry this down and deliver it to the nation. Here's my law. Thou shalt not have any other God before me. But yet we do. And that's a lot of things. We glorify our homes and our possessions and all the wealth that we have that we don't acknowledge that he gave us to begin with. We glorify that and it becomes our God. That's a weakness. Rather than trying to hide it or disguise it or even deny it, open our hands sit back Abba Yahweh Abba Yahweh in your strength take my weakness I am strong your strength and I really like this <clears throat> and I'm going to go to the old script I'm going to share this with you because this is really great. I like this. So in King James, in Isaiah 42, 3, a bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. In faithfulness he will bring forth justice. And I like this the way it's spoken in the Hebrew Bible translation. I can't read the Hebrew. I wish it, man, this is really, it's actually very beautiful. But Isaiah 42, 3. He shall not break even a bruised reed or snuff out even a dim wick. He will bring forth the true way. So if we give our weakness over to him, he's not going to allow us to break off. He knows that we're bent. He knows that we're bruised. He knows that we're scarred. He knows that we're wounded. And we have that smoldering ember within us that we desire. And we, we want the Holy Spirit to guide. That's what that is. It's a smoldering ember that he's talking about. And he's not just going to snuff that out. He shall not break even a bruised reed or snuff out even a dimwick. He shall bring forth the true way. So in his righteousness, what's he going to do? He's going to put his hand around us. And the breath of the Holy Spirit, that breath that comes straight from the throne of God. And then that wick is going to fire up and it's going to flare up again. And just like the disciples in the Acts, they had like the candle wick ignited and they had the Holy Spirit was on 
each of them, and it appeared as a tongue of fire. Do you not think that maybe the wicks were a little dim before they got in there, and then the breath of God came, and the sound of a mighty rushing wind. Have you ever seen it? Have you ever been on a camping trip or out and you have the smolders and the little embers in there? <clears throat> and then what have you got to do? You got to kind of blow on it a little bit and then those sparks and then it ignites and it flares up and then you have fire. Then you put on some more twigs. You put on some more fuel. And then the fire catches. And then you can build it up. And before you know it, you realize now you're putting on bigger and the fuel becomes more and the fire becomes bigger. The breath of God comes from his throne and he blows on our wick that is maybe dimmed for whatever reason. So many things going on in our lives that we allow to happen and we are distracted. See, this is the thing that, that the devil loves, loves, loves to do. Loves us to become distracted so that our wicks will just sit there and they smoke. They don't ignite. They don't take flame. They just smolder. And it creates a lot of distraction because when the room gets filled with smoke, your eyes burn and tingle. I'm sharing again from Isaiah 54.10. And I'm going to share with you from a newer translation. Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord, who has compassion on you. From the Hebrew writing, for the mountains may not move and the hills be shaken, but my loyalty shall never move from you, nor my covenant of friendship be shaken. Said Hachim, who takes you back in love, Remember that word, Hashim, Lord thy God. Friendship. What did Jesus say? No greater gift hath a man than to lay down his life for his friends. God loves us so greatly, so much. And then we're going to jump over to the New Testament and realize, we need to realize, as I share with you fairly often, and I'll keep doing so, is that the rule of faith, from the front to the back and the back to the front, <clears throat> pardon me, in Romans 8 and 26. Romans 8 and 26. And remember this also. That Romans 8. Romans 8 is our adoption letter. And I've marked that in my Bible. And I call it that. It is. It's our adoption letter. Read it. Read it carefully. Listen to what God's saying. It is our adoption letter. Indeed, it is our adoption letter. Romans 8 and 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. Infirmities are not necessarily physical ailments or sickness. Affirmities are different things that we 
go through in life. Maybe we're not able to understand things as well as others may, and the Holy Spirit will come and guide us in that. And remember what Jesus told us, is that the Holy Spirit comes to guide us and teach us and give us understanding. And when we're praying and we're not sure what to pray for, that the Holy pray the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit will give utterance with groanings and those things that we're not able to understand because we are speaking in a heavenly language, pray in the spirit to heaven. It is heavenly language. It's a direct connection to the switchboard in heaven. It cannot be interrupted. It cannot be intercepted. It cannot be eavesdropped on, which is exactly what happens when you speak, when you pray in open speech to heaven. The devil is able to intercept and interfere and then take action. But hear this again. Romans 8, 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. What I just shared with you. The Holy Spirit speaks, and the Lord knows, because it's his Spirit that brings it. And the utterance, we're not going to be able to understand. We're not supposed to be able to understand. It's heavenly speech. We're not glorified yet. And we don't speak that language as yet. But as true believers and children of God, that we pray the Holy Spirit, the Spirit gives us that ability to communicate with God directly. <clears throat> Brothers and sisters, as I've shared with you often, you are in my prayers. Am I going out? Am I coming in? And given this opportunity to be in the God's truth, to share his truth, his knowledge, and his wisdom with you all. This is not for me. This is not about me. And I don't make things up to vaunt myself or put myself above anyone else. This is about glory of God, our Father, <clears throat> and truth. There are so many things that are going on around us today. Stay focused on him. Pray continually, as Paul advises and tells us, shares with us. Pray continually. All day. All day. You're in my prayers, my going out, my coming in. Be blessed.